This week's one-off, Batman the Animated Series Season 2, Episode 18. Almost got him. So who is your favorite Batman villain? That's a, a, I mean, part of me wants to immediately just say the Joker. But uh, if I were to truly think about it, uh, it depends on the version of Batman. Oh, yeah. So like, I think in general and overall, like across mediums and uh, and different uh, iterations or interpretations, I think the Joker would win. But if I had to choose like a specific uh, thing, so like if I chose the Tim Burton Batman series of movies or the one that started as Tim Burton and then became something else, uh, I think Catwoman would be my favorite villain in those Bat series. Uh, although the Joker is pretty close up there. Uh, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. But uh, but if I look at the animated series, I think the Penguin actually wins as my favorite villain in the animated series because he's so... Uh, the way he articulates his speech is, is so fun and cool, and he's such a gentleman. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I hated the Penguin in the Tim Burton one. In the new What's-His-Name ones, Batman Begins. Uh, what's his name? Heath Ledger. No, but like, what's the name of the guy who made those movies? Oh, oh Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, yeah. In the Christopher Nolan movies? Um, I don't know who my favorite. I think Bane might even win in those ones because he was so cool. I don't know. Yeah, why? How about you? Do you have like a do you have a definitive like every time it's always this one villain? I have always loved the Riddler. That's my 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 Batman here uh villain and and it always has been and there and there's no particular reason for it because there haven't been that many good versions of the Riddler done in kind of the the Batman television or animated uh animated worlds there was the frank gorshin from the uh adam west batman series and he was a pretty good riddler he was a pretty good riddler yeah i i I hear you on that one i think if i had to choose a villain from that series it might even be the riddler is my favorite one see and that's the thing and he's such a he's such a cool sort of uh kind of intellectual cocky villain like he he is clearly smarter than batman but he's always it's it's always really his own fault when he he ends up getting uh, captured by Batman because he's just too clever by a half. Yeah, what do you what do you call that when you're too proud of your own cleverness? Like, there's a there's a term for it. Uh, hoisted on your own petard. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a Riddler man, and that and that goes for everything. Like even like, how do you feel about the Jim Carrey Riddler? Terrible. The Jim Carrey Riddler is a terrible character. Is the problem. But yeah. I, I like the idea of the Riddler so much that it's hard for me to to point to another, uh, another character. And and one of the weird things is that the Riddler and the Joker are often kind of, they they seem like they're similar sort of characters, but they're not even remotely. No, not at all. No, the Riddler is is uh, is more of an intellectual. He likes the game of it, which I guess is similar to the Joker. But the Joker is always just seems like he's having a laugh. Like he's having fun. Yeah, that's why it always felt like in the Christopher Nolan movies, as much as Heath Ledger's Joker is well done, uh, I think that the version of the Joker that they show is really he's closer to the Riddler. Like he's a careful schemer. He's got long, complicated plots. And I don't know. I I just, I just want to see a great version of the Riddler done on screen. Yeah. And I guess it explains why they... Uh 
they never did a Riddler in that series because the Joker they did was pretty Riddlery. Yeah, yeah. I was I was hoping that in the final the final movie it would be a combination of the Riddler and Bane. Hmm. Yeah. Much better than Poison Ivy and Bane. It wasn't even Poison Ivy. It was. Uh, it was. Oh, I know. But in the uh, the Batman oh. series before, they had Poison Ivy and Bane in it. With Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, she was the only redeeming part of that whole film. <laughs> you know, yeah. Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze was not good. It was just ungood. <laughs> I always, I'm always confused. Is it Mister Freeze or Doctor Freeze? Uh, it's Mister Freeze, but he's okay. a doctor. See, that's the confusing part for me. If he's a doctor, why doesn't he go by the title? Yeah, well, I think it's part of his secret identity. Is that if he goes by Dr. Freeze, he narrows down the number of people (laughs) that could be him in real life. Yeah, it's definitely Mr. Freeze. Which is the same reason why Batman should go by Bat-Person. Why is that? Well, because if he goes by Batman, it narrows down the uh, the people that his his alter ego could be. So, how do you feel about bad guy episodes? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what this episode is. It's a bad guy episode. It's where we we follow just bad guys. Uh, we don't we don't see the hero. We har- I mean, we do see him, but we har- it's hardly a Batman. It's it's more a a villains episode. And these are the kind of superhero stories that I, I'm so fond of. Not particularly the villain part, but the the building up the mythology around the hero. Like I have I have always been convinced that the best superhero or sorry, best Superman movie would be one that follows um Lois Jimmy Lane at, or No, Jimmy, no yeah. Jimmy at the Daily Planet. Like have have Clark and Lois and Superman be these periphery figures, but it's it's following Jimmy and his exploration of the characters of Superman and the mythology, and it's it's similar to how I feel about this, where it's by not seeing Batman as the protagonist in this episode, you get to see so much more of Batman, and it builds him up in such a fun and interesting way. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, like, so you must love the television series Gotham. You know, I haven't gotten around to watching Gotham yet because I heard that the first couple episodes weren't very good, and that was enough for me not to get into it. Yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that idea where where Batman isn't even in it. There's no Batman because he's a yeah. kid. He's a kid. He's a little kid. So it's all that. But you meet all the other characters in some way, shape, or form throughout the show so you meet like a version of the joker that isn't quite the joker yet you meet the riddler that's not quite the riddler you meet the penguin who's sort of the penguin like you know you meet you meet all these different characters throughout and the focus isn't on the hero the hero is gordon yeah yeah so it's a a batman story that follows gordon a young gordon and that that description sounds right up my alley so maybe i'll watch it even if it is terrible because i've watched bad tv before so yeah jade jada Jada Pinkett Smith, is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's in it. And she isn't any of the characters that you know of from Batman, but she's one of the villains. Like, that's the kind of show it is, yeah. I, I like her. She she was a lot of fun in The Matrix. The Matrices, yeah. Yes, yeah, The Matrices, as they're known. Yeah. You know you know what I love about Batman villains? Speaking of What's bad that? guy episodes and stuff, and what I think makes this episode so cool is, 
the introduction of the characters is their hands and voices. Uh-huh. And we all know exactly who they are. Yeah. From just their hands and hearing the voice and how they speak. So seeing the penguins fit flipper hands and seeing the Joker's white hands with whatever and and, uh, and seeing the croc, who's <laughs> totally the worst villain. He's kind of a crocodile. But it, it was great because you you kind of knew the gimmick of the episode and that Batman had to be there some way. And and so that was a that was a fun way for him to kind of be a part of the the story and be be present without uh, without being there through each scene. I thought that that was a lot of fun. Him playing the, the croc. Yeah, the croc. Yeah. So like you you see the penguin, the Joker, and the croc, and uh, and then Poison Ivy shows up. Mm-hmm. And wait, there's one other person there. Oh, Two Face. Yeah, and we know it's Two Face because again, his hands. He's got one normal handed, one gross hand. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I love that. Uh, I just love that uh, the, the the characters are so distinct that if you've never even uh, if you've never even watched a Batman before and you'd only heard about Batman and you probably know about the Joker and you've maybe heard the term Two Face, uh, you'd know who everybody was yeah. in that opening sequence, uh, except for Croc because who the hell's Croc? Why is he an important bad guy? <laughs> Well, and with Poison Ivy, I had forgotten how understated this version of Poison Ivy was. Like, she's she's just a redhead who wears green sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, the extent of which her character is is a costume. And, and yet, at the same time, the way they introduce her as this sort of femme fatale in a film noir sort of way to the scene, it was... Mm-hmm. It was just very well done and a great introduction to the character for the episode. So, yeah, I thought that they they were able to really grab something uh, iconic about each of the characters in a in an excellent way in this episode. Yeah. Hey, question. Mm-hmm. To be considered a clips episode. Yeah. Do the clips need to be real clips or can they be like we'd never if it's clips of things we've never seen before? Is it still considered a clips episode? From my understanding, a clips episode is is basically an attempt to save uh, uh, on production costs for 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 a TV show. Yeah. So the reason that you do it is because you have a 23 episode season, but you only have uh, a budget for 22 episodes, really. You spent a lot of money on one episode and brought in a bunch of special guests or something. And now you've got to save money on this other one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you you have a little bit of a frame narrative and then you just recycle old footage. And so for me, that's what makes it a clips episode. And so it does require it to be known footage. But at the same time, you're right. This is, by all accounts, a clips episode if it was watched completely independently. Yeah. And and so that makes it that makes it trickier because most clips episodes or not most but many of them if you watch them independently without knowing the series wouldn't it technically feel like it was just a wouldn't they all feel very similar so i don't know i think i think you're right yeah so i, I don't know I, I don't know if to refer to it as a clips episode or not um but i i do like clip episodes but i think i like clip episodes that are not of clips from the actual thing. <laughs> I can't say that I've actually ever liked a clips episode until this one. 
Well, like or like Community does a clips episode that's not real right. clips, right? And that's they, true. They pretend it's a clips episode, but they cut to things that have never happened before. Right. So I don't know if I would call it if this necessarily even falls into clips episode, or if it just falls into like a short story episode. Like, is that is is that even it? Are the there even enough of those to have it considered a, a category of something? Because that's the thing I love about this is this, and and I mean. Uh, surprise, surprise, I like storytelling. But I love the the use of narration. So when, when characters narrate themselves, narrate the story from a framed narrative, like I love that that uh, mechanism. So uh, this, this this episode is like right up my alley as far as like what I'd love to see in TV shows. And and storytelling-wise, you're, you're right. It, it does a, a great job condensing... Because a 22-minute Saturday morning cartoon is not a lot of time anyway. And and they make the risky move of cutting it into, you know, four four smaller stories, really reducing the amount of time that they have to tell a story. And yet each little story is an effective unit. And and so you're right. I think it's really well done and and an impressive feat. Mm Mm-hmm. And super fun, cool. I like it. I love it. Yeah, well, and and it each each of them tells a story in a way that kind of highlights their own neuroses, and that's what, that's sort of what I wanted. I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. um, was because uh, again, like the same thing with like the hands and voices, and how you immediately know that it's them. And I think this is one of the things that makes superhero stories work better in cartoon form and in comic books than on movie screens and and like live action is this like the that the the villains especially the villains but also the heroes are like boiled down to like one very specific thing that they do and then they always do that thing and so they are like like literally they are two-dimensional characters (laughs) they should they work better in two dimensions than in a three-dimensional world we were just you're just saying about their own neuroses so like poison ivy her big plan to catch Batman is to surprise, surprise, use plants and poison to poison him. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And Two Face's big plan, what does he do? He straps him to a coin and flips it. Like they're they're just like they're so exactly what you would expect them to be. Like Penguin like lures him into a trap all using his intelligence and stuff. And the what's what's he end up doing? Attacking him with killer birds. Right. And the Joker puts on like a theater show and he gets an audience to laugh him to death. Like they're they're so they're one they're one thing that they always do, which is great in a cartoon setting uh, or in a comic book setting where it's like hand drawn and a little more a little more. uh, What's the word? I don't want to say simple or light, but, you know, like much more. uh, uh, Juvenile is also a bad word to use, but I think you can see what I'm getting at. Yeah. As opposed to when you're watching live action actors play these roles and it's like, ah, playing a two-dimensional character like that, you can't do in film anymore. Yeah, I mean, th- that's, I, th- I think that's a really good point. And, and part of the, the reason for that is something like Batman, uh, the, the animated series, you're not going to have 10 episodes in a row all about Two-Face, right? Because 10 episodes in a row of Two-Face where he's just doing the same sort of Two-Face gimmick you're going to catch on and you're going to be bored of him for sure. 
Mm -hmm. And so having the whole rogues gallery show up and each of them doing their own thing, it allows you to kind of draw it out and allows you more space for each of the characters to breathe, even even though the characters themselves end up being fairly, I think simplistic is a, I I don't think that there's a negative connotation to that. In, in something like this because they are they're they're simple characters by necessity because in this episode poison ivy has maybe eight minutes to to tell her entire story and be a character in this and so it has to be simple complexity is is a vice for for this episode mm-hmm. you you absolutely need the penguin to plan to boil down to I'm going to have poisonous birds attack you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anything trickier than that and ends up not really, it, it makes it harder to follow. Yeah. And it's like, and I think, well, like, I guess what I'm getting at is even more than just in this episode, right? Yeah, in like yeah. every penguin episode, he's doing some intelligent, or anytime the penguin does anything, it's always really uh, verbose of a plan. You know, like there's so much complexity to the plan because he wants it to be all fancy and smart and stuff like that. And it ends with birds with explosives or something like that. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's every penguin plan. And, and that's exactly how it works in the, the Adam West Batman series too, right? The, the characters are all caricatures because it works for that episodic format and it works when you're only going to see those characters, you know, once every couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very campy feeling. Yeah, and then it allows you to to break that a little bit. So if you have a a Joker episode where the Joker is say doing riddles or something like that, it's it's startling and it allows it it throws the audience off in a way that allows you to do something much more interesting with that character who is is still the same two-dimensional character for the most part, but the audience's expectations are 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 what you're playing on. Yeah, exactly. And if you do like the Joker making a riddle, everyone goes, ooh, the Riddler. But then it turns out it was that Joker pretending to be the Riddler. Ah! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, it, it does a great job with that expectation game, which I think in a Saturday morning cartoon format is is one of the more important parts of storytelling, that mm-hmm. that ability to play on what... Um, the audience what expectation, the audience, yeah. Yeah. And the audience being, you know, six-year-olds who understand that Two-Face always flips a coin. Like, always flips a coin. That's what he does. He gets Batman in a trap, and then he flips a coin, and if he and Batman makes his coin not flip for some reason. Or yeah. land differently, or whatever, so that he can't kill him. Yeah, because, like, the Joker, like, man, that dude had to get, like, patented laughing gas that makes people laugh into a microphone that... That reads laughter, not just sound, but specifically laughter, and turns that into like an electric chair type thing to electrocute Batman. Like there's a lot of impossible things in that moment that if it was on a TV screen or like in in a movie theater in the new sort of style of, of trying to make superheroes like really epic and real. I just use two words that don't that mean completely different things Um, to make superhero movies more realistic looking it would be the audience would wouldn't buy it we'd all go oh come on yeah how could he have all of those things without being seen and he made a theater where do you find a theater i'm an artist i have a hard time finding a legal theater 
<laughs> and yet at the same time, something in this episode that has has actually been a part of the entire Batman mythos and is totally unbelievable, the Batmobile is self-driving. Yeah, I know, man. He's got the first self-driving car. <laughs> and they kept that in the all the new versions of Batman as well. And it just made me think, wow, that is that is an unrealistic piece of technology that has stuck around for and and kind of predicted the future for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. man. Every every Batman has had a self-driving car. Yeah. Some of them have self-driving like airplanes. The nineteen nineties Tim Burton's one, he has a self-driving Batmobile. I'm pretty sure that the Batmobile in the Adam West series is self-driving at a couple points. Oh, maybe I don't know. Well, isn't isn't the is it the Bat plane that saves them on in the movie? Um, it very the, easily could be. I'm yeah. sure it is, and I'm sure also in the comic books going back, he has a car that can like drive up to him. Yeah, it's but it's one of those pieces of technology that for the longest time was completely unbelievable and is now approaching believability and it's very strange. Yeah. Although, you know, that's one thing to to point out like there the like Batman the use of his toys hardly comes up in this episode because Can you call them gadgets, please, not toys. You, I call you them make toys. Them sound like childish things. Hey, I told you the Joker's my favorite bad guy and that's what he calls them. <laughs> <laughs> his wonderful toys where does he get these wonderful toys but uh is the only real toy in this in this whole sorry the only real gadget the only real bat tech bat tech in this episode is the self-driving car with a gas mask in it <laughs> okay you are you're missing the the bat antidote you're missing the fact that he clearly uses uh, a batarang. Uh, okay, okay. There? first, batarang is not a bat gadget or bat what do toy. You mean? It's a normal toy that is in the shape of a bat. That's not, that doesn't count. I'll give you the, I'll give you the, uh, the antidote, though, because I forgot about the, the, the antidote gun. That's pretty gadgety because we don't have that kind of stuff. But a self-driving car brings him a gas mask, and that's, uh, that's really, that, that and then the antidote are really it. As far no, as uh, bad th- there are different types of batarangs. There's the exploding batarangs, the ones that have an electric charge in them, the ones that have a freeze pellet in them, yep, the ones all that of are those, remote controlled. All of those are gadgets, but a normal batarang is just a boomerang. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. It's just a boomerang. It's Australian. It's not even fancy. Our Australian listeners are going to be choked that you... They're not going to be joked. They're going to be going like, no, he's totally right. Boomerangs are normal, everyday objects. (laughs) It's you, the North American, who doesn't think boomerangs are normal objects. (laughs) That is... They're not even a boomerang. I mean, mean, that's like saying, well, he also has a mask. Like, wow, that's such a piece of technology. Like, wow. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... Uh, I, so I watching this, I was really kind of struck with the kind of notion that Saturday morning cartoons are really just training wheels versions of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Does that is that a thing that makes sense? Yeah, sure. They, yeah. they return to norm at the end. Yeah, they're and and they they do it so regularly and and formulaic. Now, so I'm not saying that a Saturday morning cartoon needs to be anything more than kind of that entertaining or distracting kids sort of format but if there was a lesson or moral to this what would it be because i come from from a time period where where i i felt like cartoons always had this kind of lesson for you to learn uh, about 
about yourself or the world around you. And and watching this, I don't I, I, I don't get that impression here in Almost Gotham that that's necessarily an important part of the storytelling. Uh, well, I'm going to say you're totally right in both of those statements. That Saturday morning cartoons are like that and that there isn't one in this series. Because <laughs> okay. uh, Batman the Animated Series broke a lot of ground when it was out, right? Like it was the first animated uh, like kids cartoon that had real bullets being fired. Uh, right, it was very dark and a lot of like German expressionism in the the drawing of it, with like these tall towers that go off to nowhere. Like it was very different than any uh, kids' cartoon. And I think really it was like I think I enjoyed watching this more as a teenager than when than a, than in child. Hmm. Because again, I think I might have actually been a teenager when this was out. Yeah, that that sounds right. I actually I think I was almost like in my twenties when this came. <laughs> but it was good then yeah you know so it's all but like it did it was different than most Saturday because like if you're thinking like Care Bears or or something like that like Care Bears always has like a we have to care about each other message to the end of it but Batman doesn't always have that no no and it's not even one of those like crime doesn't pay sort of messages or you know be be a good person message like there really isn't isn't a, a kind of moral to the story in this. Yeah, and now that I think about it, I don't know if there was in the Spider-Man uh, series or the uh, X-Men, like any of those cartoons. Like, I don't know if there really were messages at the end other than the messages of, you know, the X-Men. It's about, you know, tolerance and stuff. <laughs> but that's like the whole concept of everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess for me, it's just that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, comic books and, and superheroes as kind of the modern day mythological figures, mm-hmm. you know, and and with mythologies, there was always there were always important morals in the in the stories behind them. In you know Achilles and and Homer and uh, Homer's Odyssey and and that sort of stuff, you always had these important uh, worldly lessons in them, and and they're. It just—it's funny for me watching these, and and I'm I'm looking for a message or a moral at the end of the story, and it's like, not—it's not really anything there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could try and stretch to find a moral in this episode if you really want to. Yeah. Is that good always wins over evil, and uh, you know, having a friend is <laughs> better than trying to catch someone by yourself. Like it, it, it's true. You can you can stretch <laughs> to find something, uh, and you know, Batman should always play hard to get. The Joker would have beaten Batman because he had Harley Quinn helping him, mm-hmm. but Batman had Catwoman helping him, and that's how he got out. So, like, it, it was the power of of friendship is is more strong than anything else. Blah blah <laughs> blah blah blah. Stretching there, Gross. but I do love the twist ending. I love the twist ending that Batman is the Croc. Yeah, and it's a pretty good twist ending, and then also that Catwoman is is helping him. Mm-hmm. That was the rescue from without, to put it in mythological terms for you. There you go. That's that's all I was looking for. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a it's a nice little thing at the end, and then I love the the like love story twist, <laughs> where Batman jumps away and Catwoman says, "Almost, almost got, got him. him," and like reframe the phrase "almost got him" uh, from being about killing him to kissing him it was a nice like nice little twist i, li- I like it I, I approve of this twist 
It, that that was the best part of the episode for me. That clever reuse of the title uh, in in a new way. It uh, I enjoyed it. Well, and and the the use of uh, another villain of Batman, which is Catwoman, right? She's she's a villain, but she's not. But she's a villain, right? That sort of like I'm continually confused about her status. That like Sherlock Holmes and and what's her name, Miss Adler, yeah, Ms. Adler. Adler. That's it. And so Irene Adler. Yeah. yeah, it's it's his Irene Adler. Is this like she's a villain and she ban- robs banks and she's above the law and does what she wants? But at the same time, she, her, and Batman have a thing, and they kind of love each other because they're kind of the same, right? That whole that whole thing between Batman and Catwoman, uh, and how. It showed all of the villains trying to get Batman. And then Catwoman, even though she saved him, was also trying to get him. When you make that comparison to Sherlock Holmes, it becomes immediately obvious. But I hadn't, I hadn't put it in that, in that way before. Well, that's me. The king of finding things that should have been obvious. <laughs> it's my, it's my uh, title. Dave Morris, the man who finds things that should have been obvious. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great title. Well, uh, any last thoughts for you? Um, no, nothing. I think, I think, uh, I think, uh, I'm, I'm a Batman fan through and through. And I think, uh, I know I'm just going to commit to saying the Joker is my favorite bad guy. <laughs> I, I'm really glad that you came back to that question 20 minutes later to, uh, <laughs> after seriously thinking about it. Yeah. The, the Joker wins. <laughs> All right. Well, well great. good See talking, man. Week, man. Yeah. Hey, we almost, got, I'm not going to try and make a joke. Next week's one-off, The West Wing, Season 2, Episode 10, Noel.